Welcome to the Big Kickoff League of Ireland podcast with myself, Roy Shanahan, and from thebigkickoff.com, it's Nathan Doyle. Well, it was FAI Cup semi-final day with Dundalk and Athlone and the Battle of the Rovers as Sligo travelled to Talla. We'll talk and we'll take a look at Athlone against Dundalk and Nathan, this was no contest. No, it was not. Like, I know we like to come on here and pick apart and those game a little bit, you know, that's what we, we like to get our teeth into, but there's really there's not an awful lot to analyse here, is there? Like, you, you really came to a stage where you actually really felt bad for for Athlone, who unfortunately finished up on the on the back side of an, an 11 defeat at Dundalk, the biggest ever uh, defeat in FAI Cup history, in the, in the long history of the FAI Cup as well. So, um, look, if, if, you know, it's an old cliche, but if this was a, box, a boxing match, you would have thrown the towel in long before, because I think for after the first ten minutes, the game was over. The dog were three 0 up, and even at that, you you seen no way of uh, of Atlanta coming back, and you really felt for them because there's a lot of young players out there that I know you can always throw the arm over the shoulder and say, "Well, look, you know what did you learn from today?" And look who you're playing against. But these, these lads will be embarrassed, and they will be humiliated because they would have, you know, the friends of family would have oh, playing on RTE, they're playing on live television. In front of all these people, and we weren't getting beaten eleven nil against against an excellent Dundalk side today. No taking away from Dundalk, but um, yeah, you feel for them. You really do, especially the lad uh, Martin and goal, uh, young, very young goalkeeper, which we're not his confidence, unfortunately. But just all he can say is Dundalk, and they know you were excellent, and some of the finishing from Dundalk was was, was super clinical. Yeah, when I looked at the team at start. I was interested, highly interested to see what Athlone would do. Uh, was there any players that would stand out? Uh, could make someone make a name for themselves? And yeah, within minutes, they're 1-0 they're down. And, and if you look at their, their the way they played, it was really... This is something I'm seeing a lot in, in Irish football, where there's this... I call it shadow defending. It's real passive defending. You're getting yourself up to a player. You're jockeying, but there's no... No aggression, no intensity, no forcing the player back. I've seen an awful lot. This, they're, they're asking people now, teams, to play out from the back constantly, play pretty football, and they're forgetting all about the, the intensity of how to defend, how to press. And there's a lot of teams who, especially if you are, um, I suppose, a, a lower quality of, of a team playing as that lone wear against Dundalk today, you really need to press press them. You really need to hurry them and make sure that you let them know that you're there. And that didn't happen at all. I mean, you look at the first goal, it's a long ball over the top from the halfway line inside Dundalk's half. And the Dundalk or the Athlone back line are just all over the place. The line, there's no, there's no line at all. And the right back never chased McElhenney's run, and instead he decided to stay put where he was and watch him go through on goal. And it was the carbon copy in the second goal when Duffy got left free, when the left full looked at him make a free run. And I think you know, in all fairness, I think he he was lucky enough. He miscontrolled it with his chest and somehow looped over the keeper. I think they were trying to say. On the on the television there on RTE, that uh, it was a great finish, a cheeky finish, but I'm I'm not convinced at all by that. But the first half just showed 
how naive all the players are and they really have got to learn if you're playing any sort of high standard football I think they will learn from it but they have to learn from it as a team and I think the manager's going to have to learn from it as well he's going to have to work them hard on it the, the tour goal comes in from I'm only going up now to half time because I just wanted to talk about the, the way the first half went because I, I don't have all day either but Tour goal, <laughs> free header at the back post. Fourth goal, free header at the back post. Fifth goal, trying to play out from the back, intercepted on the, on the edge of the box. Easy goal. And uh, then, of course, the sixth goal, it's, it's, a, it's a weak shot and the keeper palms it out to the centre forward, which is which wasn't uh, great from him. But they gave them every opportunity and Dundalk yep. took every opportunity. And if you're going to defend by just standing off a player as I said shadow defending you're just standing off them and if you give uh, if you give good players time and space on the ball it's they're going to make them look world class and McElhenney looked a quality 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 player oh, yeah. top quality player we know he's a good player uh, but you know he, he's not going to get that against uh, Shamrock Rover he's going to get put, put under uh, under pressure and if anything that Lone have to learn today is you just cannot stand off player do not respect them get stuck into them so yeah it's uh, it's it's a definitely a, a learning curve um, Ryan Manning is that his name for Athlone he, yeah. he did stand out for me and I think they mentioned it as well towards the end of the game he did keep running the players he kept trying to be busy and you know he was probably the one who stood out yeah he was like it's, um, it's hard to pick out a player that, that stood out for Athlone no, on, on the back of an 11, uh, 11 in the feet but there was somebody yeah it would be, uh, would be Manning for me he'd be someone that I looked at there Anything that they can flowing. Like they cannot then try to get themselves back into the game. But in the second half, especially for me going forward, you could see there was intent. There was a little bit of intent without much really coming of it. And and Ronald Manor was, was one for me that, that that a lot of the creativity came through. And he like he had one or two where uh, free kicks that nothing really came out of. But he's the one that always sort of commanded the ball and that he commanded that he was the one set, creating the set pieces and he was part of the, the creativity. Um, and he saw a link up and decent play that he had. So uh, yeah, like yeah, it's hard to pick anyone out that played well. But yeah, he was he was the one for me for at long that he could look at and even think he could get a move to probably a higher level post division side next season off the back of not that performance today, but off the off his performances um, against Shelbourne. Who Dean George was fantastic against Shelbourne as well for at long. So you could look at them two guys and think off the performances this season. In the cup and in the league, they could the move up to a higher level in the fourth division, definitely. Yeah, and it, with the, some of the pretty football, as in the, you just don't win games with pretty football. You have to have that um, sort of work yeah. rate and pressure, and you know, making life difficult for the opposition. So it's definitely something that especially, they need to. Especially when you're, especially when you're like a side like Athlone coming up against Dundalk, like you know, this was this, this point is where Athlone was at. Yeah, they, should, uh, they needed to unsettle them. The yeah, definitely, definitely. It's um, like I said, of course, ten minutes. That, that's it. You know, game is over. You could have even turned it off. If I wasn't doing this podcast, you know, you probably would have turned it off. And so that looked at it because you're looking for them. To, you know, at long say, well, make it first fifteen minutes. We get in, we be tough. We un- we rattle the cages. We be a bit nasty. Do this. Not it's not overly dodgy, but be a bit nasty. You make it uncomfortable. At long with a home side, so you have to have home advantage as well. So you make it as awkward as you can. Get it out to the fifteen minute mark without conceding a goal. So by that point, we're training them down already, and mm. what do you do then, really? Yeah, well, it's definitely a learning curve for them. I know as you were saying 
they didn't want to be learning with 11 goals behind them, but it was a five or six or maybe that they they wouldn't take it as hard. It will be. It's a, it's, it's a harsh lesson. But uh, yeah, listen, they'll, they'll hopefully take this on and uh, in a few years' time, you might be looking at Athlone and saying, well, you know, six of, the, six of these are in that team and, and they've pushed on now and they've brought their players through from under 19 and under 17 now and, and a really good side now. So let's hope that sort of kicks on for them. So uh We'll leave that one there. Uh, just stick with Dundalk for a second because we're not going to go into detail about them in Europe against Vienna, but we will ha- have a little quick look back at them. What did you make against them in the, in the second game against Vienna? Um, I thought it was after all it was said and done, I was disappointed. Personally, I know other people think they could get against uh, Alder in the next game. I think that was the most realistic chance of picking up the last realistic chance of picking up in the group. I can't even get anything out of the last few games. And even if you look at the game, it was extremely disappointing with um, Nathan uh, Ottawa missed a good few chances. He missed a pattern penalty chance that he missed. Like, even when Chris Yale scored a penalty, that penalty, like, realistically, that, that penalty could have brought him back to 3 all with the amount of chances that he missed early in the second half. So while it was, again, similar to the other performance, similar to the performance against Vienna in the first leg, well, he had the chances and he had the moments and he did make a decent account of himself. He will, he'll have to come out just very disappointed just, just over what happened over the, the, the 90 minutes of the game. Now, don't get me wrong, some of the goals by Vienna, some have to be cracking strikes outside the box, which, look, he can do nothing about that. But yeah, it will be definitely because they create chances and it would just be, it would definitely look back and with the chances that he missed, especially uh, Nathan Ottawa, as I said, who really had, could have had a host of goals and, some of them were tough to come by, but some of them were just shitters that you missed. You really were. I suppose it's a bit like Athlone tonight uh, for Dundalk in Europe. It's a, a, you need lessons to be learned from uh, every single thing. And you're hoping, I'm not ruling them against getting something against Molde uh, uh, over there. I think that they, they have the, the capability of getting it, but it's just making sure that they don't make silly mistakes in silly areas. And the very first goal yeah. that they let in... They, the ball was on the right hand side. I can't remember the name. I can't remember the player who gave it away in the uh, near the halfway line. Well, just inside his half. But he tried to go, cut back in by two players to go back out the right instead of just switching the play to the left. And they get caught and they they score a goal from that. And it's just silly mistakes that's that's catching them out all the time. And in this group, they could have had four or five points, uh, no problem in this group. But you know, hopefully they learn their lessons. Uh, but it's it's great to be in there, and hopefully that they uh, oh, they, they, they they get themselves back there again next year, and maybe Rovers will take that step up as well. Okay, so talking about Shamrock Rovers, it's a battle of the Rovers, really, and it was Shamrock Rovers at home to Sligo Rovers, 2-0 uh, to Shamrock Rovers, so it's a Dundalk Rovers final. Uh, what did you make of this game, uh, Nathan? Yeah, it was a much closer affair anyway, you know, and <laughs> me. Yeah, it was a good start from Shamrock Rovers. He's uh, got a goal in the first five minutes to Aaron McInnes, but then it was also a good finish to the fourth half because Aaron McInnes once again scored just right in the stroke at half-time. But it's the period between them goals which I found interesting because you look on paper where uh, Sean McGraw was won 2-0 you think ah, it looks easy he went 2-0 up, up in the first half and he probably coasted a little bit in the second but really didn't for me like Sligo had, had, a, had a good good moment of play where he bought possession and he, he created plenty of chances for himself including a, a big header from Rowan Coughlin which he really probably should be looking at and scoring um, so it's another one where they will look back they'll rule a lot of the misses and they'll rule a lot of the mistakes they made as well 
that's been the issue for Floyd of Orbit in the past couple of weeks is the defensive mistakes and the defensive errors. Especially for the second goal, there were so many gaps opened up for Alan McInnes who ran through. You could also look at Ed McKinsey in the Floyd of Orbit's goal. Could you say the second one? Personally, I looked and I thought I could have done better with it. As much as I'm a big Ed McGinty fan, I think he's been one of the better goalkeepers uh, in the league this season and he's a great young prospect. But you look at that and he's sort of really shot himself in the foot, uh, especially with the second goal, just with the, the last defender, the seat last defender. And one or two performance, like you look at someone like Jesse Devers, who, while like, he's not he's a, a world beater, but he's a busy player. He's, he's someone that you can usually rely on to pick the ball up in important areas and Supply the likes of, of Junior and supply the likes of um, of Ronan Coughlin, but he was a, he was non-existent today. He was a non-fixture. He he would have been better off sitting on the bus because he offered absolutely nothing. So it will be look disappointing for Sligo Rovers to, to lose in any in second semi-final um, in consecutive years. But in the manner that he did it, that he wasn't completely outclassed. That was it was uh, down to some missed chances and some poor defending. So that will definitely be a sore point for him. Who wins the final? It's a, it's a close one, it's tight. Yeah, it's close, isn't it? Um, I think when I seen Shamrock Rovers come back from the 2 0 down against Finn Harps in the quarterfinals, I thought, I thought, yeah, I think these will go on and um, they'll be after to, to, to win the double now. I, I, it's hard to bet against It's hard to get a bet against either. These are two top quality sides, and just the league table doesn't lie. You know, these are two of the, two of the three elite sides in the league. So, yeah, I, I, I would. I, I, I was going to put it on somebody. I think it would be Shamrock Rovers, but I wouldn't be surprised if they had gone all the way because um, the final last year, obviously, the, the two same sides was a really close affair. What do you reckon? Who do you think will grab yourself? Yeah, well, I'm going for Rovers. I just think the momentum is there with them. I know yeah. that that'll do the world a good for Dundalk now that that result there tonight uh, even though they're expected to win it's it still breeds confidence they have moulded that could that could be a game that will decide a lot in that FAI Cup final because if they go there and they get another defeat under their belt it might be it might, it, mentally that might just damage them a little bit you know and if they go there and get a, a win or a draw it just might you know lift them uh, up another level so that could be a big game determining how they play on, on the Sunday so uh, yeah I'd be looking at that if, if yeah. they if they get something it could be a hell of a final I'm still sticking with Rovers so I think they, they've just had consistency so uh, and as you said they, they even when they got in spots of bother this year, they've always seen they've always got out. Not even seen, they've always got out, got out of it. So, yeah, I, I'm going for I'm going for I'm going for the the, the double for Rovers this year. Okay, as, as well, we can't, I don't think we, we can really look past uh, for Dundalk as well. Uh, Pat Hogan there with the final two weeks up there for the the rest of the Dundalk teams with an injury. And we all know how important Pat Hogan is. He's such a big game player. You know, he's always performing. Um, He's out performed with the game, so that's going to be a massive loss for some dark too. Like the real focal points of their their attack. Yeah, how do you think Giovagnoli uh, has done? As Dundalk manager since he's come in, has he improved them? Albeit he has raised the level. Uh, there, there has been a change. There has been, um, I suppose, more confidence and and a bit more purpose about them. But how has he done for you? Has he done well enough to believe that he can change what's happened last year or this year in the league and um, to to win the league next year? I suppose. I think he's justified uh, the opportunity at least 
I haven't seen massive improvements on the pitch. Like, you can't say they were, di- they were completely different outfits. Like, there's the, you've seen moments where they, they've looked, they've had like a poor end of the season. They could be with the likes of Sligo and um, drop points uh, in the last couple of, last two or three games. So you can't really look and say that it's going to be better. But look, he came in and the, the, I'm sure that the, the main objective was get us in the Europe and he's successfully done that. So I think you have to give quite a benefit of the deal and see how he can come in uh, next season and really put rubber stamp um, his philosophy and really put his, his, his mark on the team. It'd be interesting to see what he does in terms of recruitment and, and letting players go. But I think he's at least deserved to earn himself the, the right to, to attempt to win the league uh, next season yeah OK we'll leave that there uh, St. Pat's find themselves without a keeper after the departure of Brendan Clark Nathan who's going to replace him? Yeah it's a strange one this um, I have to say it surprised me a little bit I didn't uh, especially it came the day after um, Brendan Clark was announced as the St. Pat's player of the year so it's, there's some strange timing um, there's, there's two names how much you really much stock do you really put into rumour but there's two names that are really being bounced around are Brian um, Murphy for Waterford got a very good return to the League of Ireland last season he looks a very capable goalkeeper and as good as a shot stopper Brendan Clark is he always thought somewhat seemed to struggle with his distribution at times and with Cross to come into the box so that's probably something that you could see O'Donnell could be trying to change because anytime I've seen Brian Murphy in goal for um, for Waterford, it's been really commanding. So we can see why that's, that's probably a good option for him. The only team with Murphy, he's 27. So you could probably find their, back, find their way back to square one in the next year or two with, with his age. But look, for me, that would be the one that I could look at and I'd be happy enough to get him in. Now, the second name being floated around, around is um, it'd be a bit of a disaster. It'd be a serious downgrade for me. He's looking to get in uh, Gabriel Sava from Warren Point. Obviously, he's not going to play with Sava um, at Dundalk. But I don't know. Like, you'd remember him, but he's... Um, I don't know I'm saying him. He's really dodgy. And it would be definitely would be a downgrade from Brendan Clark. And look, to get someone like him in for experience, to help someone out, to be able to be a backup keeper, okay. I probably would say wouldn't sign him, but you can understand the reasoning. But for someone to come in and replace Brendan Clark uh, as number one, no way it's definitely a strange name being thrown around for me yeah it's going to be interesting to see not just with the goalkeeper but the whole squad is there going to be major changes at Pats because they didn't perform to what they they should be performing at and you know if they don't you can only see more of the same next year so it's going to be a hugely interesting off season for same Pats P-Mount United they've won the uh, Women's National Football League They've done. Beamount have always been the standout, haven't they, in the, in the women's league, as in with their European adventures and, and and what have you. How do how do the women's teams push on? I wonder. As you said, look, the next big thing is to get them into into the Champions League. They were very unlucky this year for beating on penalties against Glasgow City. They were were regulars, regular side in the women's Champions League, and I think. For Piedmont and for women's football in this country, that will obviously be a massive step, as it is for the men's as well. Getting yourselves into European football and trying to make that a regular fixture is it's probably paramount and it's vitally important as the the women's league in Ireland can really introduce itself on a massive European stage. But we can all say we all know the um, 
given the marketing and the advertisement uh, towards the women's league is non-existent and it has been for a very long time now. Um, so look, you'd like to see, obviously you'd like to see that improve, and you'd, you'd probably even like to see them getting um, getting spotlight on what's the League of Ireland that is to continue next year. Again, it's probably wishful thinking, but these are all things that you can point towards as a reasonable goal to to really see the development and really see the interest grow uh, in the women's league around the country because it was not being advertised. You can't expect people just to, to go and just to start showing up to these games because it's a great to see because um, I'd say I've, I've, I've been slowly introduced to the women's league in the past year or so and have to be just a really down and you, you, so we can watch some of the games and we watch a couple of highlights and this is standard. This is a, a very, very good standard uh, in this country and even at P-Mount, um, Arnie O'Gorman, who the, the captain of P-Mount who he went 1-0 down against Shelbourne in the game to win the league and he pulled it back with a fantastic performance and two goals won them was an absolute crack goal so you, you see you see uh, women like uh, O'Gorman and the, the quality is there and there is definitely, definitely some, some talented footballers down in the women's, in the, in the women's league but you like to just obviously see the promotion be improved and to see them get themselves onto the age of Champions League would be fantastic. It really would. And what about the, the clubs? Should like we've had underage football being brought into the League of Ireland, and all clubs nearly have all their their underage teams. Uh, they don't all have, including like Shamrock Rovers, Dundalk. They don't see them having a women's team. Should they be forced to have to have one? If if it's and if there's, there's a there's a right amount of interest, I think they should at least. Uh, extend the other fans and at least gauge the interest and see what's like. You know, like you can't just set one up and if there's not much interest, it's not going to work. But surely but there's interest. Like sure, there's loads of girls football teams around uh, D- Dublin, so Dublin doesn't have an excuse. So there should be loads no, of interest and, and there should be loads of quality that's around now because girls football has grown hugely around the country and it's still grown now. So it, there shouldn't be an excuse not to have a team. No, definitely. I was just about to say, um, like, you'd like to sham up over, it's baffling how they've never um, come in. Just said, like, women's football, you only all they have to do in Dublin. And I'm sure it was like this in, in, in a lot of other counties, most of the counties, perhaps. The only thing they do was, was go into a park on a, on a Saturday or a Sunday morning, and more than likely, you'll see a women's football happening. And, like, the talent levels that are there, like, it, it's a good pool of talent to pick from. And it, it just, it, it would be great to see them. Even like being you know, forced, but he's in a good world. But you can see them being like these clubs being really encouraged to, to, to go down that avenue and to just to, to see what happens because there's surely the interest is there. Because as you said, like, it's, it's growing, it's, it's ever growing. And like, just, you have a lot of clubs that have always been very uh, male dominant in the in the players, but even now they're starting to expand and to open up women's teams. Like, you have like the stories like St. Francis in Dublin have. I've always had a great reputation of a women's team. So if you look at teams like that, and if that can happen all over the country, like the more women's teams, the better. If it just it can make it more, uh, more diverse in the country, that'd be brilliant. Yeah, well, you've seen it, Nathan. If there's football on the telly, no matter if it's uh, man, woman, or underage football, you'll watch the football. If it's there and it's promoted and it's, you know, and there's a quality to it, you'll watch the football. How, how often do you sit down, you watch the Irish national team, you watch the yep. Women's World Cup, it's there. So if it's in your face and it's there and there's, you know, the quality is being improved by all the coaching off the... 
the League of Ireland coaches and you know even at, at ground level at grassroots level there's all, loads of good coaches out there you know doing their bit there shouldn't be an excuse at all so they really need to get their finger out but then again we, we do know who we're, we're, we're looking at and the FAI really yeah. need to do a lot of things um, a lot better um, and here's something else that we wanted to talk about the, you know, Premier Division this was on uh, Wednesday the 18th that's just something I seen in the Irish Times the Premier Division clubs have been given until the end of the week so that was the, uh, the other week to express interest in entering second teams in the League of Ireland's first division for next year the invitation went to clubs on Monday after the National League Executive Committee endorsed the move. The invitation has angered existing first division sides who resisted the entry of uh, the second Shamrock Rovers team last year. We don't really want to see this, do we? We don't want to see a league full of B teams. This is not uh, Spain or, or anywhere in Europe where there's a huge amount of clubs. It's a, it's a small country, there's a small amount of teams and it'll just turn into a farce and, you know, there'll be no interest at all whatsoever, surely. No, I agree, definitely. This is something I've actually brought up uh, with people before and that's always the line to go back to. It's all when I look at Bundesliga, I look at the La Liga, I look at like all these major European leagues and major European countries. Like all the, 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 the torture are full of beating. And look, I just thought always the comeback. Yeah, well, these have the... These have the the facilities these have it's for these teams and these have the, the players they have the talent pool the pick form which just isn't in this country it's a small country and I, it's something I, I definitely wouldn't like to see like I was even I'd say sceptical of the, the Shamrock Overside coming in last season especially with the conditions that they couldn't get promoted they couldn't play in the cup and it, it, it just turned certain games into just non-factors there was nothing behind it like they're looking to bring the likes of Bohemians and uh, even mentioned as possible possible sides that can end end of a second team. So like if you're gonna start adding these teams down into the fourth division, it's just like it's hard enough to get people to watch the fourth division. Like we'll always come on here and support it. Like we, we there's some excellent talent and like every league there's, there's good games bad games, but I'd always encourage people to watch the fourth division. And if you're just gonna fill it up with B teams or two, the second teams that there's going to be not always stakes on it. This side, I'm going to be allowed to fight for, for promotion. Or I'm going to be allowed to fight for cups. It just turns in, into, like, what's the point of watching it? It just waters it down so much. And it's, it's hard to get people to watch the sports division. But I, I, I think adding these sides will make it even harder. It'll make it such an uphill task. And you're going to leave the country with one division because it's just going to be Premier and that's yeah. just going to be a reserve league and no one's really going to be interested in it whatsoever. So you're going to be left with one division, practically no, because if you look at the, you know, I'm not just, I'm just saying that loan off the back of today, but at loan, the, the Wexfords, yeah. you know, if, if they're not strong enough to get promoted, you're going to have a, a Premier division that is going to be non-relegation. So you're going to have, uh, you know, 60% of that f- Premier Division, which will have games of no interest for the rest of the season, you know, uh, halfway through the season. So it really it, it would destroy the league as it is now. Yes, definitely. And like, I know we can always point towards these teams and it benefits the youth structure of clubs and it can give probably certain clubs like a pathway. Like we've seen some, some young players come up from the second uh, Shamrock Rovers played up to the fourth team and you, you can see that happen but it's just, it's just it won't work and I know it works in other leagues but in your league it's just not going to happen it's just it just makes me everything just very very pointless and in, in we're just the league that we're crying out for more marketing and more publicity and 
just they're just caught in itself, putting these these sort of sides into the post division because it's, it's just like I said, it makes a lot of non-factor. It makes a lot of games just feel pointless. Like I'm sure that that even filter into the changing room where you're gonna have players in if they and the top in the in the league of Ireland. It's hard enough to get fans in and to keep fans. But if, if these sort of things try to happen, it just you can just really you can wish a goodbye because. Like I find it hard enough to entice people down to to Richmond Park, even to watch a game. And if they start like start to get the reputation of being a league that's completely pointless, then you, you might as well forget about it. Yep. Well, let's hope that doesn't happen. And if if it starts happening, let's hope that the the League of Ireland supporters first of all are. are uh, forward with their thoughts and and make sure it doesn't happen because um, yeah, it's utter nonsense. I can't believe that they've even suggested it. Now the Puskas Award 2020 nominees have been announced. Um, the reason why we talk about that here because Jordan Flores uh, for Dundalk versus Shamrock Rovers on the 28th of February in 2020 scored an absolute screamer and has been nominated. And uh, he has a few names that he's up against, Nathan. He does, he does. Like Louis Suarez and um, and so on from Tottenham are the, are the ones that really stand out. Um, he's gone into the pool of 11, 11 nominations. Now, the public voting is open until the 9th of December and the final three out of those 11 will be announced on the 11th of December and the ceremony will go ahead on the 17th of December with the vote will be a mix of public voting and a jury of FIFA legends. So, look, it's... It's like <laughs> I, I, I had a quick look at all eleven, and look at you try to put of the bias to the league of order one side. It's like the more you see it, it's a piece of goal, isn't it? Like it's, it's the likes of Lila Messi, Cristiano Ronaldo scored this goal. We'd be talking about it for decades to come. Yeah, well, I remember watching it on on the telly. I remember watching it and. Got me off my seat, you know. You know it's a good yeah. goal when it gets you off your seat, and it was, yeah, it was. It was an absolute peach of a goal, it was a cracker of a goal. Uh, yeah, it definitely has a shout. Um, I, I, the, the one thing I do hate is, you know, um, f- voting with fans. It just, it's a real popularity yeah. thing. And I, I listen. Yeah. I'm not the fan of Player of the Year awards and all that nonsense. You know, Ballon d'Ors, and you know, I think they're absolute farce. Uh, I think it's a you know popularity contest and. Um, this it'd be great if if it was just you know maybe a group of former players or whatever it was and you know they they picked it so uh, but listen for the league I'd love to see it up there and I'd love to see it uh, get to the final three uh, a, a bit like uh, for P Mount United yeah and I thought that I actually thought that deserved to win I actually did I thought yep. it was, it was a, a unbelievable goal so uh, maybe maybe Jordan can take that next step so yeah that's something we'll keep an eye out for uh, in the in the coming uh, weeks fans questions yeah I'm a good way to finish up um, as always thank you very much for putting them in because there's always good volume and a good variety um, do you want to send any in just up on the big kickoff and any other social media platforms and We'd be delighted to pick them out and, and, and get some uh, just some good talking topics, isn't it? It's just to get some good conversation flowing from someone else's perspective. So we'll crack on uh, with the person. The person is from Ryan Duffy. And he wants to know, uh, who, is your, who is your fourth division player of the season? Yeah, so I, I thought long and hard about this. And I'm, I'm really going to sit on the fence on this one. <laughs> Uh, the fact that you don't get to see your first division games week in, week out, you don't get enough 
you're getting no highlight service from uh, RTE, from the FAI, which is absolutely abysmal. Um, it's it's hard to it's hard to judge who is your player of the year, bar someone who stands out on you know a, a certain game that you might see and. So it, it's really hard to, to pick out a first division player. And, and again, as I said, that's a fault of, of, the, of the league. That's a fault of the FAI where there looks like they're trying to dismantle it. So I'll come back to what we said about these B teams. Now, you know, you're really going to kill the league. And at the moment, they're doing their best to, to, to slowly poison the, the first division. And for me to, to choose a, a, a player who's stood out for me in the first division... I really, really wouldn't be telling the truth because I, I haven't watched enough of those games and there's not enough games available to be able to see them. Bar, I have seen a few games, but, that, you know, that, that'd be like saying I watched three or four games of Dundalk and I thought, you know, uh, Hoban was the best player of the season when you, you know he wasn't, you know. So, uh, yeah, sitting on the fence in this one. Yeah, love, it makes sense. You may want to pick this one out because you, you actually just said it. You said how much you hate all these... Uh Player of the Year awards, and even the times we, we talked about possibly doing our own awards at the end of the year, at the end of some seasons, and you were, but now they're not your team at all. So it's, I just thought could uh, you could say you could uh, break it down a little bit and get you into a, a bit of a popularity contest. <laughs> now I agree. I I I, I had a couple of names jotted down, and pretty similar to yourself, I was like, where am I getting these names from? Yeah. Uh, like what what am I going off? Like, I'm going off probably clips. Highlights and they're they're limited as well, and the limited amount of games that uh, that I've seen. So like, so I'll, I'll try out a couple of names because like I'm not going to ask a question and have none of us pick a name. Uh, but yeah, like it's it, I know it's it's a, it's a nightmare. It's um it's a nightmare to really be 100 percent solid. Like if this was on the Premier Division, I'd probably have a better gauge and be able to to fully co- be fully confident in some of my picks. Uh, the main one I, I went the first time I started down, so probably that's probably the, the one that you'd have to go with is uh, James Brown. Not the godfather of the soul, of course, but James Brown, uh, they dropped the right back for me. Anytime I've seen him, like, look, I know it's, it's, and it's the limited times I've seen him, he's unbelievable. He, he's just absolute cracking uh, right back. He's just a real, uh, and tips of uh, the modern right back, he gets up and down brilliantly well. Uh, on a one on one situation, he's very calm and composed. and he signed back up the next season, so we get the chance to see someone like him play in, in the Premier Division next season. I'm looking forward to it. So yeah, it looks. I was always a bit of a nightmare to pick some of these, especially when you're, when you're, when you're like the opportunity to see these guys play on a regular basis is limited. But it's yeah, James Brown for me was the one that always seemed to stand out. And then from a being draw the play, he's always the one that I've. Um, I've looked at like as when I played football myself, I was a defender, so I'm always uh, naturally not always naturally guided towards the defenders rather than the goal scorers. So for me, he's always something that I I have enjoyed playing, and um, I have enjoyed uh, watching play. And we go, yeah, it's definitely one that I'm looking forward to seeing play um, in the Premier Division. You get to see him on a more regular basis next season. Okay, your second question. Yeah, we got the second one. Uh, just sent in by Conor McCabe. And Connor wants to know, uh, what do you think will be the big marquee signing in the off season? Obviously, look at the League of Ireland. There's so much chopping and changing. There's so many uh, in-going and uh, outgoing players, incoming, excuse me, and outgoing players. So, yeah, Connor just wants to know, what do you think will be the big highlight transfer that will 
be talking about uh, once the season restarts. Well, the one that we were talking about previously, and we, we still don't know how it's going to go, is, is Danny Mandrew, isn't it? Like, I mean, that's a yeah. that yeah. would be a huge one if he went to Rovers. There's no, there's nothing to say that he is or he isn't going yet. And you know, I know uh, <laughs> we talked about um, Keith Long. Going, you know, if yeah. I if I was at Dundalk, this was me personally. I'd be thinking we get Keith Long in. He could bring us to the next level. He definitely bring uh, that extra bit of, you know, uh, extra ten percent out of the team. And only a matter of days after we were discussing that, Bowes yeah. gave him a five year contract. So maybe maybe they are listening. Maybe they are listening. Keith, you can <laughs> you can send that bottle of wine onto us if you want. But yeah, so if if, if I but I didn't see Danny Mandrew getting, uh, you know. Uh, pinned down so I thought that was interesting maybe I missed it maybe maybe it was but I thought there was five or six players who got pinned down by uh, Bowes do, do you remember if that if he was one of them? No he wasn't he wasn't one of them and that was the um, that's the one I found interesting like because you know someone like Andrew Breslin um, Danny Grant was in the list um, James Palbert of course the goalkeeper all uh, all very good players and, and good prospects. Well, not prospects now. They're all established uh, Premier Division players. They all got signed down. But for someone like Andrew, not to get pinned down, it's um, the sort of those signal to move away. And it goes with all the reports that have been coming out. Uh, I think another one, you know, it's this Twitter journalist. I don't even know his name. But now it's just how much stuff he's taking this Twitter journalist again. He, he mentioned that St. Pat's were also expressed interest. Uh, look, we obviously a great guy to get down the same path. Uh, I know. It's, Seems to be a bit of an actual problem with the player every now and again, but on his day, he's an absolute cracking player and his, his ability isn't in doubt. But if he is going to go anywhere, surely it's uh, Shamrock Rovers down. Because, um, well, even at that, like, that Shamrock Rovers midfield is so packed with talent and so packed with quality. It won't be easy for him. He, he's not going to walk into that side. No, no, absolutely not. But that's that's what'll make them stronger, you know. They have to look at making themselves stronger and that's why I'm looking at Dundalk and you're thinking, Right, who who are you gonna look for? Because we were talking last who was it we were talking to? We were talking about Dundalk. Aiden last week. Aiden, that's who it was. And he was saying, you know, they're probably gonna have to look outside the league because if they want to improve their team, they're not going to get Shamrock Rovers players. So if they're going to improve their team, they're probably going to have to go outside and, and look for that next level player. So, you know, it's it's hard to see uh, where they go for them. It, it's going to be some unknowns, possibly. Yeah, like you, you bring back a, um, a former League of Ireland player that, that went to England and probably hasn't walked out. Or do you just completely look at look at somebody else? Like you bring someone in from, from Scotland or you bring another player in from England that has never played in the league. I'm not sure. You can always be sceptical of these sort of players. How much do they want to be coming to the League of Ireland? Um, but, but that was said about Jack Bourne as well when he came to Shamrock Rovers first. Was I? He's just going to come and play a couple of, play for a few months. He might play for the season and head back to England. But look, he's come in and, and for me, he's been he's been the best player in, in the past couple of seasons. Now he's been absolutely, he's been a pleasure to watch, and he's a player that that's another big marquee sign that could happen. Like, like will he go? Will, will he go back to England in January? Who knows? Will he stay? You look at him today, if you want to be selfish as a League of Ireland fan and you want to see these guys playing on a regular basis, so it'd be great to see someone like Jack Bourne today. But um, to get back to the original point, it's it's always a bit of a risk when you bring these guys in from Scotland and they bring from England and how how quickly are they going to set into the league and how much do they really want to be here? I know they'd be on decent enough money at Shamrock Rovers, but it's always something you will question. What about 
one more year for Wes back in the league, Wes Houlihan, who's over with Cambridge. <laughs> Do you think he'd get back maybe for Shells for one more year? It'd be nice to see he wouldn't, especially with Shells. It'd be nice to see him round out. Um, obviously, Shells down out of the fourth division now. I don't know if it, ever, if it was up in the Premier Division. I don't think I'd have much interest in seeing it because I think it's been proven that the, the days of the retirement, the League of Ireland being the retirement home, are gone. Like we've seen the likes, I was talking here, we've seen Damien Duffin in uh, the Shamrock Rovers, and I know we only had a couple of games, but nothing came of that really. So, look, as nice it would be to see Wales come in and, and to think to cap off a, a, a great uh, career with uh, Shelbourne, it'd be great to see with Lick. And it'd be, it'd be a nice. Uh, you know, it's way to finish up for Wes as well. And it's where, look, I know he's getting on, but he, he definitely he'd win something for that uh, Shelbourne team. Even if, if it's behind the scenes and even if it's with some of the younger players. And it's, it's, still, it's still like, you know, you always say that he's like all the guys and all the he's lost a bit of pace, but you never lose that little bit of quality either. So it'd be definitely interesting to see how he gets it on and it'd be a lovely way to finish, for him to finish up. Yeah, uh, now it'll be really in- interesting to see what way, uh, especially with Shamrock Rovers, how can they make their team better? How can they push on to go, you know, far in the Champions League qualifiers? And if they don't make it through those to into the group stages of a Europa League, you know, and, and you know, you always have to add to your team, even if that's just one player that you think is going to make it into your starting 11. I was to say, I'm interested to see, sorry to cut across there, mate. I'm interested to see what he do with a goalkeeper because for me, Alamanis has been the best keeper in the league this season. Mm-hmm. But again, another guy that's getting on a little bit. Like, do you look at some of the younger keepers we have at the club now, or do you bring in someone young? Like I mentioned, Eric Ginty earlier, the very, very talented young goalkeeper. Do you look at someone else in the league, or do you stick with Manus for next season? What, what do you think they'll, they'll do? I'm just looking up to see what age Alan is. What age is he? He's 38. Alan is no, I didn't think he's that old. No, I didn't think he's that old. He looks a younger man than 38. So, yeah, yeah. You're making him blush now. But he still could, no doubt, have another couple of years left in him. So, uh, listen, they, I'm sure they have young goalkeepers there huh. at the club who are learning all the time. And, uh, mm. I mean, he sticks around for another, even another season, which I think he will because it's too exciting to get into that the Champions League and, yeah. and not be there. So they definitely have him for another season. But yeah, that's something that they probably will look at, Ari. Yeah, I just thought it was interesting because um, he showed no signs at all of slowing down this season. Like, I thought it was absolutely super. Uh, one of his best seasons I've seen him play with Shamrock Rovers in, in, in uh, I know this is his 22nd spell now, but. I thought it was absolutely fantastic and, he, and like I didn't think he was that old based off performances really yeah maybe yeah, like the agility is still there yeah maybe all those wrinkles are hiding under that beard maybe maybe that's that's it he hasn't <laughs> has covered up <laughs> uh, no quality, quality goalkeeper and uh, yeah I'm sure he'll be there next year but it is a good question probably uh, quickly after that okay Nathan, we're going to leave it there. We will, uh, of course, next week we will have, uh, and we'll be doing it at the same time, probably probably Sunday night after the final of the FAI Cup. And of course, we will be talking and discussing Dundalk's game against Molde. Nathan, thanks very much. Cheers, mate.